just breaking. 50 states massive Google antitrust probe will expand into search and Android businesses. This is a pretty big deal. If you don't remember, Project Veritas had a a big whistleblower come out. And unlike the whistleblower that the Democrats were trying to get to accuse Trump and get him impeached, this one actually comes out. We know his name and he has documents to support his findings. We're going to get into that today and a lot of other stuff that's good. Welcome to HTBT. My name is Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to the show, sharing the show, tagging a friend, subscribing to the networks, and subscribing to or subscribing to the Fight Laugh Feast Network and subscribing to the social media sites is what I was trying to lead with in the beginning of that subscription rant. If you go over to fightlaughfeast.com, you'll put in HTBT in the memo field. You'll get tons of great content. You'll get access to our book club. You'll get access to a great series on sales. Tons of other great content. Toby has Wisdom for Kings, a study through Proverbs. And most of all, you'll be supporting us as we proclaim the Lordship of Jesus in every area of life. Defend the truth and espouse biblical principles, which we need them more than ever. I'm more convinced of that than I've ever been before. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me how to build a tent on the social media sites. You can email me, Matt, at howtobuildatent.com. Calm. All right. So 50 attorney generals are investigating Google and are preparing to expand their antitrust investigation into their search and Android businesses. People familiar to the story are telling us like I'd hope they are familiar to the story. But, you know, with the media nowadays, you got to really put that in there. It's not like a third or fourth person. So far, the investigation which is being led by the Texas Attorney General, has only explicitly focused on their advertising business. The development comes as politicians on both sides of the aisle, including Donald Trump and Elizabeth Warren, are increasing teeing off, quote-unquote, on Silicon Valley, and that's from CNBC. And what is the, the interesting part is their search. And I want to play this clip from Project Veritas and O'Keefe about or interviewing the whistleblower from Google. And I want you guys to really just hear this clip and we'll talk about it in context of this expanded search. My name is Zach Voorhees and I was an employee at Google for eight years. And the reason why I collected these documents was because I saw something dark and nefarious going on with the company. I felt that our entire election system was going to be compromised forever. Uh, by this company that told the American public that it was not going to do any evil. And I saw that they were making really quick moves, not only in the documents, but also in the internal speeches that the executives were giving to the company that they were intending to do that. They were intending to sculpt the information landscape so that they could create their own version of what was objectively true. He says in the beginning that they started off being a company that says do no evil. And that was their slogan that they had for so long. They got rid of it. And then in the interview, he goes on talking about how they started with internal documents, company communications. And then it started becoming in the leadership's speeches and talks about how they're going to transform the landscape They're going to mold the landscape into what they want us to understand. Now, 
that's kind of scary when you think about it from a government perspective, which we all know they do, right? The media does. But Google is bigger than them. Google, I could even argue that and from a information perspective, Google is bigger than the government and the news networks combined. Well, there was, uh, what was it? It was like Google servers went out and all internet, like 40%, I think it was, of internet traffic just stopped around the world. 40%. And these guys are liberals from Silicon Valley who hate Trump. And the whistleblower has documents and is saying here that they are making sure that Trump doesn't get reelected again. Well, how would they do that? How would they do that? Well, when you search for information or facts, they can bury information down to, you know, 20 search pages deep when a majority of people click on results from the first page. And when you're doing SEO and you're for your business or when you're trying to do advertising, when you are trying to get your searches up, you want to be on that first page or it's just going to be a waste of time basically. And they could do things like that. They can encourage people to get out and vote that they want to get in vote. It could be a competitive district where it's going to be a close call and they can send it out to all the Democrats because they know who's conservative. They know who's liberal. They can do tons of things like this. So this is the information that I think has led them to expand their search. And I, I bet they were using their advertising business and then they were looking for information and how and justifications for how they can expand it into the search and Android businesses which is going to be really interesting. Now, this article in CNBC, and this is why I wanted to lead with this story, is because they make the best case, or a great case at least, for federalism and states' rights. And it, this is the quote. States can be more aggressive in antitrust investigations than federal regulators because they are less constrained by the lobbying and political forces that consume Washington, D.C. states or sorry, Washington, D.C. states are also typically more restrained for resources than the federal government, though the states have committed to sharing resources in the Google investigation. Did you hear that? It's easier. They can be more aggressive, which these are antitrust laws. That is, they are making sure that they facilitate a free market, that they are holding businesses to standards that we have established so that our economy, so our communities can be thriving and competitive and be of value to us. States are in a better position because they are not constrained by lobbying and political forces that consume Washington, D.C. This is from CNBC. Lobbying and political forces that consume Washington, D.C., and I want you to remember this every single time that any politician argues and complains about the government and how it is a broken system and how there needs to be fixes in place and how we need to have legislation passed to solve problems. When they want to do it in Washington, D.C., just remember there's lobbying and political forces that don't keep your best interest in mind. They don't keep your best interest in mind. So that means that if we want a government that is efficient and working for us, we need to go to the states. We need to have states' rights. We need to further and lobby and petition 
and seek solutions in the states because they can be more aggressive in doing things that are better for us, not for the lobbyists, not for the political forces that are consuming Washington, D.C. This is CNBC. And this has to do with our elections. If we don't have elections, we don't have a free economy. We don't have freedom in our country. It's we're being, we're being manipulated. We are being sold a lie. We're, it's a facade. That's all it is. So if we can't get this right, and it's better to do it in the States, why isn't everything else better in the States? So that the lobbyists get out, the political forces leave. And let me tell you, it is a lot more expensive to send lobbyists to 50 states than it is to send it to one place. And just that mathematical equation by itself should prove to you that the federal government is rarely, if ever, the answer to any of your problems. Because they might sell you something, they might give you a piece of candy, they might give you a cookie, as Chocolate Knox likes to say, but within that cookie are thousands of other interests that are not good for you. So is that cookie really worth it in the end? And you're seeing politicians, they only talk about the cookie. They don't talk about the other ingredients that make the cookie worthless and disgusting and could even kill you. Thousands of people will die. You know, Bernie Sanders says that a lot. And I don't I don't think, well, I guess with the health insurance and making it worse and taking the free market out of it could kill you. But mostly that's symbolic and like killing our freedom, killing our independence and being addicted to the government. It's a terrible, terrible place to be in. We need to be limiting the federal government as much as possible. CNBC even admits it themselves. See, searches the heart of Google's business through the Google collects both advertising revenue and data. It also, argue, it also argues critics use the function to promote its own products and services. The internet giant has rolled out a number of features over the past few years like reviews, maps, travel bookings that benefit the, from internet traffic. The EU slapped Google with a $2.7 billion fine in 2017 for giving favor treatment to its Google shopping service. Google is appealing that decision. So it's talking about the search engine and how they are using the searches to drive traffic to themselves. It's basically like you're just recycling and you're getting people that use your product for search that to get them to use your other products, which if they're doing that on an unfair basis can be an issue. And that leads me to the second part, which is what I was going to originally lead into or lead with in the show, which fits completely with this is Google plans to launch a checking account and they don't plan to charge fees, but they're going to integrate just like the cycle of, you know, Google flights and maps and reviews and travel and all that stuff. They are going to be wanting to let you use and put your money into their accounts. But the catch is, even though they're not paying money, they're going to be selling your purchasing data to advertisements, which again is going to cycle you into the process where you're gonna, so for example, if you go skiing, you buy lift tickets, they're going to, you're gonna see ads for, you know, uh, hand warmers, or you're gonna see ads for new skis. If you are going to a football game, they're going to sell you a cooler. And that's how they are looking to leverage this. And this brings up a really good point that, or two things that I want us to take from this is the tech industry has a very different strategy or two, they have a bunch of different strategies that are effective, but these two 
are really good lessons for us to learn. And the first one is that they're really good at partnering with other companies that aren't their core competencies. That is, you are good at a certain amount of things as an individual, and so are companies. And that is by the company culture and the employees and their product offerings, their experience, all those things create a few core competencies that you're good at. And what Silicon Valley does is they will send out and have other companies do the things they're not good at. So in this case, because Google and on all the tech companies don't really want to get involved in the regulations and all of the paperwork and all of the legality of a bank, Google is partnering with, I think it's Citibank. They're partnering with the bank so that they don't have to deal with it. They're going to let the Citibank with their core competencies deal with it. They're going to be the front end of this new account. And they're really good at that. And we see it with, you know, AWS, Amazon Web Services, companies that have mailing lists and notifications for your platform. You can integrate all that stuff in with APIs. And it's really efficient. It's a really great mindset to have. So think about that in your companies or if you're starting a company is how can you leverage other people's core competencies to make a better product, a better business, a more competitive business for yourself. Don't be wasting your resources and time on things that you don't do well and that's how you can generate more value for yourself. Remember, value equals benefit minus the cost. The second um, lesson that or the strategy that I want us to take from Silicon Valley is they're really good at building technology that is outside the scope of regulatory laws. I'm like, oh, that's a mouthful. So there are laws that are written by our government that's bloated and that has tons of lobbying, tons of political special interests, especially at the federal level and at the state level as well. States do things all different ways. And what happens in our day and age is technology is coming out and reinventing itself so fast that the laws that are written don't constrain and don't apply or don't really address what this new technology and what these new companies are doing. We've seen that with Uber. We've seen it with Airbnb, et cetera. And we see the laws reacting to them now. There's like places where you can't you know, rent out your home, like Hawaii is like this. You can't rent out your home for less than a month, you can't have short-term rentals because the hotel lobbies really petitioned their states to do that. Uber was like with the airports, it was a huge thing. And then now finally there's like evolution where it's evolving. And this is the point I want us to understand. And you need to understand this when you are doing anything with business is business law isn't black and white. Most of the time, there is a lot of gray area and you can either be scared of that gray area or you can leverage it and use it to your advantage. And what I mean by that is you can get good lawyers where you are mitigating your risk, you are looking for a conservative way to navigate this gray area where you can be bold and go after and go charge and lay out, roll out your strategy, roll out your product, even though it might not exactly fit within the law, and deal with the repercussions later. And we see this with Google, who they're under this $2.7 billion fine from the EU, and they're rolling out more products that they're gonna cycle in and do the same thing. Because Google is at a, is at a point where they can go so long and appeal it for so long, so uh, many court cases and trials and all that stuff that they will make much more money than the fine is worth off of these products. And that's the secret. 
you get you start small where you aren't really a concern and then you start growing building momentum and then you get to a place where you're moving so fast and growing so fast you get to a point that you're so big that the legislation the legislators can't have time to react and you the goal is to get to such a big place a big part a big size a big piece of the pie in the industry that you're in that you can afford to fight these cases and to get into a position where you could be making money while you are fighting these cases and it can cover the losses and that's the game that can be played within this gray area i'm not talking about breaking the law I'm not talking about doing something that's wrong or immoral, but when you look at laws, because of technology innovation is the laws don't really address it. And so courts can interpret certain laws certain ways, and you're not sure how they're gonna do that until we see cases through the appeals courts and through the Supreme Court. So I'm not saying break the law, but I'm saying that with good lawyers, they can guide you through this and give you their recommendations. And just like politics, just like Christianity, there's conservative lawyers, there's there's liberal lawyers. That is, there's those people that are saying, no, don't do anything in the gray area. And then there's those liberals like, yeah, let's just do it. We'll be fine. And you want to find somewhere in the middle that's going to make logical, calculated risks. But there's a lot of gray area to take advantage of. And the Silicon Valley companies do a really good job of that. We shouldn't be scared of operating in the law. It's... We shouldn't. We should be scared of breaking the law. Uh, but this is a good point too: is regulations are the best friends of big companies. And what we are seeing is that, like this uh, Google example, where they're coming out with their own payment front end and they're having their banks do the back end. They don't want to deal with those regulations because it's such a big barrier to entry. It's just easier to partner and share some of the profits with another company. And this just is a good way to end this. So regulations are a moat for big companies. I talked about this before. Big companies want regulations. They can afford it. Small companies can't. And it discourages innovation. It discourages other companies coming in, which can lower prices. They can eat the cost of compliance. They can eat the cost of whatever it takes to limit competition. But that always hurts us, the consumer, us, the individuals, us in the communities, because costs go up or prices go up because of the cost of compliance or because it limits competition and they can raise prices because there aren't any competitors that they have to fend off. So we want to get power out of Washington, D.C. as much as possible, as according to CNBC, because it's lobbyists and political interests there. The states can be more aggressive. The local governments can be on your side is what they're saying. And also we want to limit competition, or I mean, sorry, we want to limit regulations to increase competition because that lower prices and always benefits us, the consumer. All right, let's go out, be successful. We'll talk to you tomorrow, God bless.